Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful that I know the mighty God in Christ. I'm not worried because I know who he is. Amen. When you know who he is, you don't have to be afraid of anything because he's above all and through all and in all. Amen. Everywhere. And I'm thankful that he's here today. What a great presence of the Lord. What a great opportunity. I'm thankful that you are here. And uh, I'm anxious to get this year going. Amen. I wasn't quite ready for it, but come what may, ready or not, here it is. 2020. Who would have ever thought that we would be living in these times? But here we are, and we need to make the best of them, and we need to make sure that we are prepared, and I feel like that's what God is going to do with us over the next few weeks. Um, the month of Feb- the month of January is going to be a very special month for Greater Life Church, and um, I'll share with you a little bit more about that uh, in a moment. But if you have your Bibles and would turn with me, I want to direct you to the book of Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3, and for the time, I'm going to read one verse, but we will come back to this passage in just a few moments. But I want to read it so you'll have a, a launching pad. Because some people, if you don't read a text, they don't feel like you've really preached. So I'm going to read my text or part of it, and then we'll, we'll get into the rest of it. Great to have Brother and Sister Ogle with us, pastors from up north, and uh, we're thankful that they're here visiting with us. I uh, pray that God will be with them and bless them richly. Ezra chapter 3, verse 1. And when the seventh month was come, And the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning, and I know that my time is limited, but I want to talk to you about our priority, not priorities, but one, our priority for the time. Amen. Our priority. Say that with me. Our priority for the time. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe all of us are interested to know what this year holds. I believe that we do live in momentous times, and I cannot look at what's going on in the world and not be... Uh, aware that God is working. The, power, the powder keg that is in our Middle East right now is a ticking time bomb that is going to unleash events of the last day. And I believe if there was ever a time we needed to be awake and ready and on guard and prepared and living, it's now. And somebody said, Amen. What the year holds, I feel, is important to us. What it will usher in, none of us know, but I do know that there are many who have predicted great changes in the coming year. 
the synthetic human brain will be produced. Chip implants will be made available that will help multiply fields of of uh, medical science and the frameworks for identity information they claim going to be so perfected that you'll be able to safeguard your own information and self-driving cars and all of the other things, artificial intelligence that I'm, I'm not quite aware of what all that is, but that's what they're predicting. There have been other predictions for this year that border on the humorous, such as the human foot will become one big toe because all of the others will be unnecessary. And believe it, I'm telling you the truth. These were actual predictions of the 21st century that we would have animal employees like apes that would drive because of the intelligence factor and the training and the skill that Instead of having a robot in your house, your dog could do <clears throat> the laundry. And flying houses, flying houses that would allow you to migrate while you're still in your pajamas and go to whatever location you wanted to be at. And one engineer, believe it or not, in 1900 predicted that in the 21st century, the letter C, X, and Q would not be needed in the alphabet any longer, that they were superfluous. And he believed that our language would be reduced to sound bites, which it has been, and that we would be expressing ourselves in condensed ideas like, hi, me, happy, good, bye. And so... <clears throat> He isn't very far off because that seems to be how people do communicate on the Internet. Telepathy and teleportation was a prediction. Evidently, they, whoever predicted that had never been married because that was already in existence. And nobody, nobody they predicted in this day would ever need to work because everybody would be rich. And there's some people that really feel like that's the way it ought to be. And mail would be sent by rockets. I'm telling you the truth. In the 50s, they tried it, and they were so ecstatic that they could get mail from one side of the country to the other in such a short period of time. I think they didn't understand that Iraq got a message the other day, or Iran did, that rockets, we may not have those emails we do. Rocket mail, no. Emails, yes. But no doubt our world is going to be different than we can even imagine in big ways and small ways. What concerns the world is not, uh, what, what is concerning of the world is not my priority at this moment. Although I am concerned and I am aware, I am more concerned about what goes on within this place and the church and the body. What I don't know is much. What I do not know uh, far outweighs what I do know. But this is what I know, that God is still in control and that God's plan is still in effect and that God is going to work out his plan to the end and when he said it's over, it's going to be over and it will not be over a moment before. Amen. As we begin the new year, I have been sensing in my spirit 
that the Lord would like for us to experience in our spirit what has been happening in the physical around this place, and that is rebuilding. We have been in a rebuilding process over the last couple of years, and uh, it has not been easy by any stretch of the imagination, but we are moving forward, and we have lots to look forward to this year. But what has got me stirred is that I feel like that what has gone on over there has got to begin happening in here with us. That there has to be a rebuilding. We have been going through that process physically, and now I believe God would like for us to go through that process spiritually so that we are where we need to be. I, I believe that God is preparing us for a better future, and I believe it is now time to make that parallel move as we have in the physical, in the spirit. And over the last few weeks, God has taken me back to a time when God's people were challenged to rebuild. He has taken me back to Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah, and I have read over and over the story and the events of what transpired in that time and how important it was to Israel's future and God putting them where they should be and where they belonged. And when uh, all of it began to unfold, it is so amazing the order in which they moved through doing certain things that positioned them for the next thing that God was wanting to do in their life. It began when Cyrus overthrew the Babylonians and became uh, the ruler uh, of the world at that moment. And he came with a divine edict and a divine commission to fulfill a prophecy promised by Isaiah that one would arise that would free Israel and allow them to go back to their homeland. And Cyrus was to be just that one. 42,000 Jews began to make their way back. Most historians say it was at least a four-month journey for them to go back to their homeland and to rebuild. They were not going back just to rehabilitate, but the commission of Cyrus was that they were to go back and rebuild the temple. That was their edict from Cyrus. And so he equipped them with everything that was needed. And Ezra chronicles this journey of Israel back. He numbers the people that came and he tells of the different tribes and people who were involved in this transition. They moved toward a new future. They moved toward a new beginning. But the question that begged to be answered was, what is the best way to do that? What is the best way to begin? They had lost so much. When Babylon came in and took over and Nebuchadnezzar crushed Israel, everything that was dear to them was destroyed. 
They were taken out of their homeland and their cities were uninhabited and their homes dilapidated. Cities and houses were in ruin and they had suffered great humiliation. Their homes and fields abandoned. And as you can only imagine over a 70-year period what could happen to an abandoned home or an abandoned field. And as they began to return, this is what they saw. This is what they embraced. They were filled with joy that they were coming home, but they were overwhelmed at what they saw before them. Their temple, their beloved temple was destroyed. Their city, the beloved Jerusalem was in ruins and the walls had been broken down. And worst of all, the altar had completely been destroyed. All was out of order. They had looked upon a city that once had shone in splendor And now everything was in chaos and disorder. And as they began to try to make out this chaos and understand where they were and what they needed to do next, it is so important that you gather what they did and you understand what happened. The task before them was overwhelming, I am sure. And as they began to realize the scope of what they were about to do, what they realized was that there had to be a right beginning. Everybody say a right beginning. Rebuilding, but where and and at what point do you start? And after they had been there for a few months, They came, the scripture says in Ezra 3 and 1, as one man to Jerusalem. Because it dawned on them that in their homes and trying to repair what they could, that was not really the place to begin. If we're going to reclaim, if we're going to recover, if we're going to rehabilitate, if we're going to enjoy these blessings in our life again, then we've got to start at the right place. And so go back with me to Ezra chapter 3 and let's read what it says in verse number 2. And it said, Then stood up Joshua, the son of Jozadak, and his brethren the priest, and Zerubbabel the son of Shealtel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of God of Israel, or the altar of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings their own as it was written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon its bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings their own unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. And if you read on, you will find that God strengthened their hand. The question is, when you need to start over, when you need to begin again, when you need to reclaim something that has been lost, when you need to repossess something that has been yours in the past, where does that reclamation begin? 
Where do you start that point of recovery? And Israel realized that if we're going to get back what we've lost and regain our self-respect, we're going to have to go back to where it all started and where it began in the beginning, and that was at the altar of God. Amen. And so the Bible said they repaired. When you start to rebuild, that's where you begin, is at the altar. When your life has been wrecked and turned upside down, the place to begin recovery is at the altar. There's a lot of other places you could start. There are many other things you could do, but the best place the place that will give you the greatest advantage of success is at the altar. Amen. And I believe that that is what God is calling greater life back to this morning, to rebuild some altars. Amen. Rebuild some altars. When normal has been thrown out the window, when you've been hurt, and you don't know how to recover, where do you go to find hope and help that life beyond this is possible? It always begins at the altar. When you need to go back and start new and have a fresh beginning, where do you go to get a fresh start? You go back to the altar of the Lord because that's where it all begins. Everything else that we do is secondary to that altar because that is where it all began. That is what is most critical in this moment. That is the priority of this hour. It's not building a new building out there, but rebuilding an altar in here and rebuilding an altar in here that will allow me connection with God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Over the last few weeks as I have revisited this event, what has become important to me in this narrative is not just what they did, but what they did first. Imagine, if you will, coming home to a city where there are no walls of defense. What's the best thing you can do to strengthen your life? Build a wall? That would help, but that's not the solution. The best way to strengthen your life is to get back to the altar. And some of us have been away so long from the altar that we've forgotten what the altar is for and why it is so critical to our life. But there's a far greater number of us who have kept coming to the altar, but we've not really engaged in what that altar represents. 
It is altogether possible for you to come and sit on a pew and go through all of the motions and the mechanics and do all of the right things and be connected to all of the right thing and be close to all the right things and be doing what appears to be the right thing but have one thing that is not done. It begins with the altar. Somebody say it begins. It begins. This year begins with the altar. Amen. If we are going to be prepared for what God has put out there, it's going to begin with the rebuilding and a reconnection and a recommitment and a rededication and an understanding of the value. You know what's amazing? When you read Ezra and Nehemiah, the details that they did not allow to slip through the cracks. They didn't just come back herky-jerky and, well, you know, I know how to do this. But they went back and went over the law and they made sure they knew what the word of the Lord expected and what the word of the Lord commanded. And they observed to the minute detail everything the law asked of them to do. Why? Because they knew if they wanted the blessing of God on their life, and they wanted the favor of God on their life and they wanted the goodness of God over their life. They were going to have to pay attention to the details. And I'm here to preach to some people right now. You better pay attention to the details of your altar and pay attention to the details of your worship. Hallelujah. 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 If you want to bring order in your life, it starts at the altar. They were surrounded by chaos, rubble, trash, ugliness, brokenness. If you want to bring order back to your life, you don't need a self-help book on 10 Steps to a Better 2020. You you don't need to go to Mardell's or any other place and find, I've already done that. You know what the Lord said? That's not where you need to begin. All of that, that's just fluff. That's superfluous. That will deceive you into thinking you're doing what you need to do when the reality is what needs to be attentive is the altar of the Lord. That's where I need to get back. That's what I've got to make sure is in proper order in my life. If you want to make your way filled with blessing, you want this year to be a blessing year, a blessed year, you want it to overflow with blessings, I'm going to tell you where you're going to find those blessings. Not in some cheerful pop culture ideology that floats around on Facebook or the internet. And they, they put out so many warm, fuzzy things. I mean, it's just amazing what you can get on a daily basis. It just cheers me up. You saw me roll my eyes, didn't you? What I need to be concerned about is what kind of condition is my altar in. Because that's what really matters. You see, you can rebuild a temple, but if you don't have an altar 
All you have is a platform without a presence. Yeah, you can rebuild that temple and you can have all of the facade, but no force, no power, no anointing, no blessing. And they are everywhere. If you want your hands to be strengthened, anybody got tired last year? Anybody get weary? I, I have both of my hands up. If you read Ezra, you will find that when Israel rebuilt the altar, that God strengthened their hands to do the work that was before them. Some of you are looking at your marriage or your home or your job or your life and you're thinking, I don't know how this can ever get better. This can't be fixed. This is too broken. I want to tell you how God can help you fix that if you can understand the power that is transmitted in an altar. And when you reconnect with that altar, God can strengthen your hands to do what needs to be done, to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt and do the tough things that need to be done. Amen. If you want the favor of God, I'm going to tell you where to find it. At the altar. Amen. God's not impressed with my talent. He's not impressed with my skill. He's not impressed with my money. He's not impressed even that you showed up to church today. What moves God is when he sees someone near that altar calling out to him, needing him, desperate for him, dependent on him. I can't live without you. I don't want to live without you. I'm tired of making it on my own. I'm tired of doing it my way. I need your favor in my life. I want to tell you where to find the favor of God. The favor of God is around that altar that you rebuild in your life. That's where God will smile upon you. That's where God will cause his face to shine upon your life. That's where God will open doors that no man can shut. That is where God will make a way where there is no way. That is where God will move things that are unmovable. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. If you're tired of spinning your wheels, if you're tired of spinning your wheels, If you're tired of spinning your wheels, doing the same thing, but getting nothing out of it, you put money in a bag and it's like it has holes in it, disappears. I'm going to tell you how to reorder that. Rebuild your altar. Understand how important it is. That is the priority of 2020. We can hurry on. They can finish that building. We can move into it proud and happy. And I believe we ought to be because of all the adversity we've been through. But if that's all we've got, 
there are a thousand other churches around here that have already outdone us. They can outperform us. They can outbuy us. But if we want something in our favor that our enemy has no remedy for, if you want something on your side that no matter what your adversary tries to do against you, he cannot break through, I want to tell you where to find it. You're going to find it when you understand, I need to rebuild my altar. I need to make sure my altar is in good working order. I need to make sure there's fire still on my altar. I need to make sure that I'm still connected to him. I want to tell you how to combat fear. Amen. Any of you had to deal with fear lately? For the last month and a half, I have been tormented by a spirit of fear. I have awakened in the night as if something had a hold of my throat. And fear swell up in my mind and heart. You're not going to finish this. You've stepped out too far. You've bit off too much. You're too old. You're too this. You're too, you're too full of failure. I'm just being transparent right now. Is that all right? Now, some of you have been the same way. You're just too afraid to admit it. And that's why you keep living in that trap of fear. But you know what I began to realize the other day? God didn't bring me this far for me to be consumed by a spirit of fear. God didn't bring you this far for you to be eat up with that uncertainty about what tomorrow's going to hold or what's going to happen next week or what's going to go with my job or how's my boss going to respond to this or how's this going to work out. I'm just here to tell you that if God could get me where I am, God can take me where I need to go and I don't need to be afraid of what God has prepared for me in this future. But let me tell you where fear was broken. The Bible said they came to rebuild the altar because of the fear of their enemies. And when you start rebuilding an altar, the fear of your enemy begins to subside. Amen. I felt such a peace the last few days. Amen. I feel like I'm a new man. Because I realize that God is not the giver of fear that if fear comes, it is not from him. If fear comes, it was not a product of his work. If fear comes, it's a product of something else. And you need to understand where it's coming from and send it back. Oh, hallelujah. The best way to handle your fear is rebuild your altar. best way to cope with your stress you can stand I'm, I need to stop the best way to cope with your stress is to rebuild the altar 
the best way to deal with your frustrations is to rebuild the altar. The altar was before the temple. It's so important that you understand the order that Israel worked in because order is so important in God's kingdom. And the order was the altar and then the temple and then the walls. The altar, the temple, and then the walls. You can rebuild walls, but I have news for you. There is no protection like the protection of an altar. Walls don't necessarily mean a lot. Ask the Chinese who built the Great Wall of China. They built it to keep the marauders out. It is so massive that you can see it from outer space. But do you know that in the history of China, there have been multiple occasions where the enemy has breached their wall. They didn't climb over and they didn't tear them down. They walked through the gate because the gatekeeper had been bribed. You know what can happen in life without even realizing you are being bribed without even realizing that you are compromising, without even realizing that you are opening a door. You can give an enemy access to your life and it doesn't matter how tall the wall is, how wide it is, how strong it is. But I'll tell you something. There's a protection in an altar that you won't find anywhere else. I'm going to talk to some of you this morning that are struggling with compromise in your life. If separation in your life is losing out to compromise, you better hear me this morning. You need to rebuild your altar. I said if separation from this world is losing out in your life, to compromise, to justification, to, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't believe it's necessary. I don't think it's essential. I would bid you to get back to the altar and let God show you how important it is. Because when you're at the altar, you see a lot more clearly than when you sit out there in your little comfortable world and you look at it through rose-colored glasses or when you look at it through the lens of the Internet. My Lord, you can find, that, you can find anything you want to know and anything to tear down any belief in the world on the Internet. I'm not here to combat the Internet. I'm here to encourage you to build an altar and I don't have to combat the internet. I said I'm here to help you rebuild an altar and the internet won't be a problem in your life.
if dedication and commitment had become more and more difficult in your life, and I'm preaching to some young couples this morning, you need to rebuild your altar. If joy and gladness have fled your home and fear and doubt surround you most of the time, you need to rebuild your altar. If your purpose, your reason for being has been lost and muddied, you don't even know why you're here. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to tell you how to reconnect with your purpose. Rebuild your altar. Amen. Rebuild your altar. Whatever it takes, and I'm, I'm going to, I'll try to do some more tonight, but I feel like I've done all I know to do right now. This is what I feel the Holy Ghost is saying to Greater Life Church. What we need, more than we need anything in this world, is a divine connection. And it only comes from one place. That's at our altar. I don't know how close you've been to God in your life. I don't know where you are right now. You may be closer to God than you've ever been. I don't know. But I believe there's enough of us here today that would have to admit that we're not as connected to our altar as we need to be. We're not as close to God as we could be. And we want to start 2020 moving in the right direction. I'm going to tell you where to start it. The priority, the priority is for you to rebuild your altar. The beginning of recovery. The beginning of recovery is always at an altar. Healing internally, emotionally, spiritually always begins at the altar. Whatever you've lost, Whatever you have lost can be found again at the altar. Amen. Praise God. Close your eyes with me right now. Feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm not asking for a great demonstration, but I feel something deep moving in the Holy Ghost right now. I believe it's an hour for us to make up our minds to move forward. I want to reclaim some things. <laughs> I want to reposition myself. <laughs> I want to be in a better place in 2020. I, 
When I look back over my life, God, I realize that many things have slipped by the way. But I want to begin this year at the right place. I want to begin at the altar. Anybody want to join me at the altar? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, let it begin today in my heart. Let it begin in my spirit. Let there be a hunger, Lord, and a thirst and a desire, Lord. Whatever else may happen this year, God, whatever else I have to start at the right place, my altar, my altar. Oh, yes, Lord, if I'm going to find help, if I'm going to find peace, if I'm going to find joy, if I'm going to find my purpose, if I'm going to find power, if I'm going to find provision, if I am going to find meaning and purpose in my life. Oh, hallelujah. 